Man, we are kicking off a brand new series today called Building for the Generations. Building for the Generations. I got to be honest with you guys, if there's one series that we've done all year that I think is probably critical more so than any of the other ones, it would be this one. I believe that this is a series that is critical to our lives, it's critical to the church, it's critical to our nation. Because guys, I don't know about you, but when you look at families, when you look at the culture we're living in, when you look at, at, at the church at, at a whole, when you look at all of this, I think we're at a crossroads. I think we're at a crossroads. And I say that because for the first time in the history, I think, of the world, I've never seen biblical values come under attack like I'm seeing right now. There's biblical values that are just under attack in a way like we've never seen it before. It's almost like we're living in the time of Judges. Judges chapter 21, 25. It was a time where the Bible says everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. So there was no values. There was no standard there. There was, there, there, there was nothing to really stand on. And as a result, everybody's doing what they just think is right. So if it feels good, do it. If it hurts somebody, who cares? Do it. If it benefits you, do it. And so that was the time that Judges was talking about. And I really believe we find ourselves stepping into that time right now. And how many of you know that I think it is so important that we have values? We need values in our lives. We need values in our homes. We need values in the church. These, these values that not only are we willing to live by them, it's kind of like drawing a line in the sand and defending that line. Like this is a value I'm standing on. This is a place I'm not willing to budge. That's a value. And so we need to be willing to live for that value. But not only that, we have to also be willing to transfer that value to the next generation. It's one thing to say you believe something and live it yourself, but if you've got another generation coming behind you and you're not willing to pour into them, then guess what? They're just going to do whatever's right in their own eyes. And so all throughout the scriptures, we see this, this transfer, if you will, of values taking place. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, hey, repeat these things. Repeat them again and again and again. When you're walking down the road, when you're going to bed, when you're, when you're at your job, when you're at school, repeat these values to the next generation. And so we are going to be talking about core values. We're going to be talking about standards. We're going to be talking about absolutes, like these are the things that we stand for no matter what, here's where we stand. And as I begin to prepare this, one of the things that really jumped out in my heart as, as a dad, as a husband, as a man, is one of the greatest challenges and responsibilities in raising my family in the fear of the Lord is establishing values. Drawing the line and defending the line. That, that, that's one of the, the, the greatest responsibilities that I have, especially teenagers. Mm -hmm. You understand when you get a teenager, when your child turns 13 years old, here's what happens, okay? Aliens come down and take your child. They leave another child, looks like your child. Sounds like your, that ain't your child. Is anybody feeling my pain with a teenager? Come on, somebody. 
Mark Twain once said this. He said, if you've got a 13-year-old, here's the best thing you can do for them. Put them in a barrel, nail the barrel top shut, and feed them through the knot hole. When they turn 16, plug up the knot hole. Come on, somebody. How many of you know, obviously, this guy has some teenagers. And I begin to think about it. Misty and I were actually talking about this earlier in the week. And, and, and I almost, I really believe it was Caleb. So this is before Aiden. So this is several years ago. Caleb comes home from church. We're, we're hanging out. We're relaxing. And Caleb comes up. He says, Dad, you're not going to believe it. I heard somebody in church say the F word. And immediately I'm like, which one of you heathens in the church said something? He said, yeah, Dad. They said the word fart. And in my mind, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But I'm like, hey, buddy, I hear that. But we don't even say that word in our house. You know, we, we, we just don't say that. Because, again, for our family, there's core values we have. There's certain things that we have that we say, hey, we're not going to say that. So, in instance, you know, our, our kids come home and, and, you know, they say like, well, you're stupid. No, we don't say that. You, you don't say that. And so, if they say something like that, we'll say to them, hey, watch your words. Watch your words. If you have my kids running around here because they hang out with your heathen youngins, amen, and they'll say something, you'll hear me say, hey, watch your words. Why? Because that's a value for us. And so how many of you understand you've got to have values in your life? You've got to have them in the home. You've got to have them in the church. And so what we want to do over the next several weeks is we want to lay out what we believe would be seven core values. Seven core values that actually serve as a foundation, if you will. Because how many of you know you've got to get the foundation right? How many builders we got in the house today? You've you got to have the foundation right. If you mess the foundation up, no matter what you build, it's going to crumble. So these seven values are what we would consider to be the foundation, not only of the church, but also our homes. And so let's kind of, they're up there. Let's, let's look at them. Here they are. Live biblically. Love unconditionally. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I don't care who you are. In spite of you, I love you. Love unconditionally. Relate sincerely. Worship passionately. Grow intentionally. Serve unselfishly. And reach globally. These are the seven values that we're going to unpack throughout this series. And we're also going to be talking about something that God has laid on our heart right here at this location to do as far as expanding and reaching the next generation. And what does that look like? And how can you be a part of that? So we're going to be talking about all of that stuff. But today, I want to focus on the very first one. And I would even say this, guys. This is the first core value. The first core value. So like you can put all the rest of them in whatever order you want, but this one is the first one, and it's live biblically. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of being in your house. And so God, we just ask right now, speak into our hearts, help us to hear from you. And everybody in the house and online said, amen. amen. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you love to follow directions? Come on. There's a few, a few rule keepers. I got you, Miss Shelby. I mean, it's a few rule keepers in the house. Very few. How many of you guys, like, when you get something to put together, you're like a diagram person? You just look at the picture and go with it. Come on, anybody in the house? That's what I'm talking about right there. 
Missy and I, you know, Caleb, he's, he's got a birthday coming up. And so we go out and we buy him a big old ball goal. And so she's like, hey, let's put it together yesterday. And I'm like, cool. How long does it say? Well, it says it takes three hours. I'm like, girl, look, I got the picture right here. We good. There ain't no problem. We're going to do this. And so Misty is a rule keeper. Come on, somebody. How many rule followers do we have in house? Anybody? If we don't like you guys. Amen. I'm messing with you. But she's a rule follower. And so it's like every it's like page by page, item by item. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, we've been at this thing an hour now. And all we got is a rim on the backboard. I said, let me just do what I do, baby. I can have this thing together. All we're going to do is shoot some ball in it anyway. So I'm just, I just got, I'm letting her do her. I'm just putting it together. And then she's like, wait a minute. There's extra parts. I'm like, well, that's intentional. They, they do that. They send extra stuff. And she's like, no, they don't. And so there's this argument that breaks out in my house. And I'm like, watch your words, girl. Watch your words. But anyway... You want to know why we don't like to follow directions for the most part? It's because we don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told what to do. And if you're not careful, you would develop a so what attitude. Like, so what? Like, I'm drowning in debt. So what? You don't tell me how to handle my money. Like, so what? My marriage is in crisis. You don't tell me I need to change. So what? Like, I don't need your help. I can figure out raising these teenagers all by myself. I don't need you. I don't need some book that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old trying to tell me how to run my life and how to run my family in the 21st century. I don't need all of that. Have you ever had that, that thought kind of come into your mind? You ever, you ever been down that road before? And so here's the thing, guys. As a church, we decided from the very beginning that this right here is the final authority. This right here, God's Word, the Scripture, is the final authority. What does that mean? That means that God's Word determines what we believe, and it determines how we behave. So when I read this book, how I many of you know sometimes I don't like what I read? Come on, anybody ever done that before? It's like you want to rip some pages out of your Bible. Amen. But you read that, and, and it challenges you. It, it, it comes against you. Why? Someone said this one time, the Bible is like sandpaper. It smooths out the rough edges on you. That's what the Bible does. So you read it sometimes and it hits you. Why does it hit you? Because we don't like being told what to do. How many of you remember when you were growing up in the house and you thought to yourself, I can't wait till I'm grown? Has anybody ever felt that before? Like, I can't wait some of the teenagers are raising your hand. You need to let me finish preaching before you raise your hand. Some of the kids, like, I can't wait till I get grown. I can't wait till I become an adult. And, and why? I can do what I want to do. I can stay up as late as I want to stay up. I can go where I want to go. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But then when you get grown and on your own, not only are your parents telling you what to do, but now there's all these other people telling you what to do. Now your boss is telling you what to do. The bankers are telling you what to do. Your wife is telling you what to do. And all the men said, there you go. The bill collectors are telling you what to do. The tax collectors telling you what to do. The IRS, y'all, is telling you what to do. And you get my point in all of this. 
Growing up didn't set you free from the authorities. It increased the number of people in your life who wanted a piece of the authority pie in you. So now everybody's telling you what to do. And the problem is, even though we've grown up, there's still that little child inside of us that says, I don't like being told what to do. I don't mind this as long as this don't tell me how to live my life. I don't mind reading it. I mean, it's a good book, and, and, and it's good, and it's great. And, and here's the thing. So we get saved, and it's exciting, and it's wonderful, and, and, and we're relief from sin and all of that. But the problem is we don't have a problem with believing that Jesus is the Son of God, but I'm not letting this tell me how to live my life. And so you've got to ask yourself, Is the scripture really the authority of your life? Like, I love God. God, I know you love me. But you want me to change? Mm, Not willing to do that. So are you really living biblically? And so then the question I want to submit to you today is, why should I submit to it? Like, why do I need to submit to the authority of the Bible? Why do I need to come up under it? And it's pretty simple because Jesus lived under the authority of the scriptures. Jesus lived under the authority of scriptures. And listen, Jesus is our role model. Jesus is the one we need to emulate, the one we need to go after. Philippians 2.5 says that we are to have the mind of what? Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So in other words, we are to be like Christ. And what did Jesus say about the scriptures? Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. Jesus has that moment where he's like, hey guys, lean in right here because some of you are missing. He said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. But why did he come? I came to accomplish their purpose. You understand he's talking about the Bible and he's saying, hey, I didn't come to do away with the scriptures, but I came to live them out. And so even though there's times in my life where I want to resist being told what to do, I understand that the greatest man who ever lived, the man who was God, the man who is God, he came up under the authority of this book. So what makes me think I don't have to? Come on, turn to somebody and say it's getting a little tight in here. It's getting a little tight in here. So why don't I commit to the scriptures? Why don't I hide that word in my heart? The psalmist said, I hide the word in my heart. Why? So that I would not sin against God. So this has to be the first core value of our life, of the church, of our nation. We've got to live under biblical authority. And while I'm on that point, let me just say this. You understand that there's a difference between a viewing this book as authoritative and actually submitting yourself to it. There's a difference there because oftentimes we don't like to read this book as the final authority in every decision that we make. And so why does it need to be the first core value of my life? Why does it need to be the first core value of the church? Let me give you three things real quick today. Three things that happen when the Bible is the final authority, not only in the church, but in our personal lives. And I want to separate those. I want to give you three things that happens in the church and three things that happens in our personal life. Here's the first one right here. If you're taking notes, write this down. When the Bible is the final authority, the authority for the church is established. The authority for the church is established. And you say, well, that's kind of that's obvious, right? Well, not so much. 
Because oftentimes when the Bible is not the final authority, then you understand somebody has to be in charge. Somebody has to step up. And so oftentimes it's a group of individuals that step up and somewhere, somewhere along the lines, these people stood up and said, this is no longer the authority we live by, so we're going to live by our own authority. And they develop their own rules and they develop their own values. And as a result, you've got all these false religions that's popped up. Everybody just doing their own thing. Everybody writing, well, I think this sounds good. Let's write this up. I think, but what does this say? Like, what does God's word say? And so everybody's just kind of doing their own thing. They're leading people, but they're doing their own thing. And you understand that Peter spoke against this. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, now a word to you who are elders in the churches. It's talking about the leadership. He says, I'm a fellow elder, and here's what I'm doing. I'm appealing to you. Care for the flock of God entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you are eager to do what? You're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by what? Your own good example. What is the example we're supposed to have? Following who? Jesus, like follow me as I follow Christ. So I need to have Jesus as my example. And if he's my example, this becomes my compass for life. Every decision I make is based off this right here. It's not me coming up with it. It's not a group of people telling me how I need to live. It's this right here. So again, you got a group of people. Oftentimes there's a person that stands up and takes authority. Sometimes that could be a pastor. And you're like, well... Man, don't pastors have spiritual authority? Yes, but, hear me, only insofar as he operates under the authority of this book. So if me or somebody else, leadership team of the bridge, tells you to do something that is contrary to this right here, man, pack your stuff and run. I don't care how cool it is here, amen? Like, run. Why? Because this has to be the final authority on everything we do and everything we teach and everything we say. Paul talked about this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. He says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, that's talking about this, let them be under God's curse. So when this is the authority, then that's what you live your life by. How does this relate on a personal level? On a personal level, if this is the authority of your life, then every decision you make is based off this. If it's not the authority of your life, then somebody else comes in and takes authority. And who is that? That could be a friend. That could be a TV show. That could be culture. That could be anybody. But what you do is you find yourself kind of drifting along because you haven't taken a stand on a firm foundation. And then one day you wake up and you realize, man, how in the world did I get here? Like, how did I let things get so bad? How did I get so far because you took this out of your life? So it's got to be the authority in your life. Here's the second thing that happens when the Bible is the final authority. Morals are healthy. Morals are healthy. Show me a church that has abandoned biblical authority and I'll show you a church that's full of immorality, ethical problems, character problems, and all kinds of stuff. Now, here's where I want to throw a curveball on you. 
The problem isn't that those are the problem. The immorality and all of that, that's not the problem. You want a church full of that. Why? Because the church is what? It's a hospital. Matthew chapter 9 verse 12, Jesus says, It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But the problem is, when a church abandons biblical authority, that's a church that's willing to cover up sin. That's a church that's willing to say, well, it's just under grace. Or, you know, don't be judgmental or don't, don't hurt feelings. But you've got to have some morals in your life. What does that mean on a personal level? I told you at the beginning, I feel like most of my life is drawing lines and defending lines. Drawing lines and defending lines. I've got teenagers, I've got, got young kids, and I've, I mean, we got the gamut. Hey, Amen. We got four kids in my house. So they, they're just there, and it runs the gamut, and you're sitting there, and I'm like, man, and they come up to you. I feel like the only word I say most of the time is no. Can anybody identify with me? Can I go? No. Can I be with? No. Can I date? No. Can't, why can't, no, 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 no. Why? Because that's the line. We defend that line. We stand on that line. I'm sorry. That's the core value for me. Listen, if you're constantly skewing the lines, you know what you are? You're an etch-a-sketch parent. Come on, does anybody know what an etch-a-sketch is? You draw them lines and you look good. And then what do you do if you don't like it? You shake it up and the lines disappear. Turn to somebody and say, don't be an etch-a-sketch parent. Don't be that. You've got to defend the lines. Hey, we're going to build a little standard here. And this is what we live by. And we're not going to deviate from this standard because this is what our lives are built on. And so you've got to have some morals, some absolutes in your life. And that can only happen when the Bible is the final authority. Here's the third thing that happens. The most important thing that happens When the Bible's the final authority is that people are changed. People are changed. And really that's what the church is all about, right? That's like the priority of the church is to see people's lives change. Mark chapter 16 verse 15. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the good news to everyone. The church that abandons biblical authority, they stop focusing on people and helping them grow and challenging them in their faith. And they start focusing on keeping people happy. It's just all about keeping people happy. Keep the givers giving. Keep the servers serving. Keep the disgruntled gruntled. I don't know what that means. But anyway, that's what just making them happy. But you understand that God has called you for such a time as this. And he's changed your life so that you can in turn change the world, which incidentally is the vision of this house. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the vision. Changing lives that what? Change the world. That's the vision. That's what we live by. That's what we stand on. Because when you come in here and our lives and everything is built on this right here, then it connects you with Jesus. Jesus changes your heart. He changes your life. And in turn, you go out and change the world. Do you understand that there's certain people that only you can reach? There's certain people only you can reach. How devastating would it be for God to get you all dressed up and prettied up and bring you in here? And you walk away from him. And you don't do what he's put in your heart to do. This has got to be the first core value. Not only for the church. I want you to hear me. Yes, it is for the church. 
But it's got to be for you and it's got to be for me. Why is that? Because here's the thing, guys. As you go, so goes the church. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. That's good preaching. As you go, so goes the church. So if you abandon this, guess what's going to happen to your family? They're going to abandon it. Your kids are going to abandon it. And then it's a trickle-down effect to where the next thing you know, the church abandons it. As you go, so goes the church. So you've got to stand on biblical authority. You've got to let God speak into your heart, speak into your life. And again, guys, it starts at the home. It starts at home. Now, am I sitting here telling you that my kids are perfect and they're so holy they glow in the dark at night and all that? Absolutely not. Remember, the aliens got half of them. Amen? But I love them. And here's what I understand. That I, know, I know without a shadow of doubt that my kids know this has been put in them. So no matter where they are right now, no matter where they're going, no matter what they're caught up in, this is in them. And how many of you know if it's in you, it's going to come out of you? And so you've got to build your home. You've got to build your life on the biblical authority, guys. That has got to be hands down the first core value that we live by. And you say, well, pastor, what happens when I make a decision to live biblically? You know what happens? Here it is. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Watch what Jesus said. He said to the people, you are truly my what? Disciples. If you remain faithful to my what? Come on, my what? My what? My teachings. And you'll know the truth. And watch what that truth does. That truth sets you free. But it all starts by having a core value of living biblically. Living biblically. As a church, as individuals, you've got to make that a standard, guys. You've got to make it a standard. I want you to think about the people that are in your circle right now. The people that God has, has, has put in connection with you. Do you understand that there is a responsibility attached to your life? doesn't mean that you go in there and you beat them over the head and say, turn or burn, baby. No, that's not what it means. Don't do that. Amen. But what it does mean is that you live your life according to this. Remember what we said at the beginning. This was going to be the final authority. So in other words, everything I do, everything I say is based off this book right here. Does that mean I'm perfect? Absolutely not. But that means that I go to this word sometimes and it cuts me. I go to this book right here sometimes and it's like an old piece of sandpaper. Come on, like 180 grit for you construction work. Like that hard stuff. Like hard. Sometimes it hurts. But what does it do? It, it speaks to my heart and says, Hey, Alan, this, this is a, an area that you need to pay attention to. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've, you've got, gotten off base somewhere. You've got to come back to this. 
So I want you to stand with me all over the house. Miss Doris, so good to see you today, sweetheart. Man, you've been on my heart. You've been on my mind a lot. I pray Gary's been coming, taking care of you, looking out for you. Hey, we love you. It's been a while since we've seen you in here. Been through a lot, but God's been faithful. It's good to see you today. At the end of the day, your kids are grown and they're on their own. And maybe it's just you, maybe a spouse there. There's always a moment of reflection. You understand that that every kind of age bracket you go through, there's 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 these things that happen. So like when you're in your thirties, you're full of ambition, you're full of goals, you're just you're just going at it. You just yeah, just just conquering the hill, you know, so to speak. You're doing that. When you get in your forties, especially kind of the latter forties like myself, it's like, dude, let me rest. Like, let me catch my breath. Let me enjoy life. When you get into your 50s, again, it's a little bit different in 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. It's different for every season, but, but there's going to come a season in your life where you're going you're gonna to sit there and you're going to reflect on everything that you've done in your life, the decisions that you've made, the people that God brought into your life, that you could impact them. And I wonder what the thoughts are going to be in your mind. Is it going to be one of these things where we say, God, you know what? This was the authority. And to the best of my ability, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I lived according to this book. And as a result, lives were changed. You became the authority in my life. I had values. My morals were right. And as a result of all of that, people were changed. You understand that the reason why we're here is for a reason, for a season, and for a soul. A reason, a season, and a soul. God brought you into this house, and maybe you're just here, maybe you're visiting, you know. Maybe your parents drug you in here. Some of you teenagers are like, man, I'm on drugs. My parents just drag me to church all the time. Doesn't matter why you're here. Can I tell you why you're really here? For a reason, for a season, and for a soul. There's somebody that you're meant to impact. And God brought you here for a reason. So let me pray with you today. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your house. It's been a great day. Lord, I just want to say thank you for Triple S High School. We just thank you for those young men and women and all that they're doing for you. Being willing to come out on a Sunday and just be willing to, to show off the talent that you've given them. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the leadership at Triple S High School. I pray blessings on them. And so now, Lord, as we start this series today, the first most important core value of our lives has got to be your word. That's where we build a foundation, right there. It's got to be based off of that. Nothing else matters. It's got to be built on your word. It is our compass for life. 
It points us to you every time. And so, Father, right now, we submit ourselves to you. We ask you, Lord, to come into our heart, take up residence in us, use us to reach somebody for you. Head still bowed all over the house. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you've come in here today. You've slipped in. Maybe you're watching online right now. And during this service, somewhere along the way, God, begin to speak into your heart. You say, Pastor, man, I'm ready to go all in for Jesus. Because again, that's the starting point. You've got to start with Jesus. And if that's you and you've made that decision to say, Father, man, I'm tired of living my life. My own way. I'm tired of having my own standards, God. I need, I need you. I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. If that describes you online in the house, would you just be willing to slip a hand if you're in the house? Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. I need him as my Lord. I need him as my Savior. If you're watching online, would you just be willing to put something in the chat right there where you are? Say, Pastor, that's me. Going all in. Maybe you're here today and you're watching online and maybe somewhere along the way... Let's just be real, guys. Maybe you've abandoned the biblical authority in your life. Maybe you've slipped away from it and you say, Pastor, man, today I'm, I'm ready to come back. Would you just be willing to slip a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I want this to be the value. Seize the hand. Seize the hand. I want it to be the value in my life. If you're watching online, put it in the chat box, guys. We just want to pray with you. Look at me, guys, all over the house. Man, I love you, and I appreciate you. For the next several weeks, we're going to be laying out different values. We're going to be talking a lot about what the future of the Bridge Smithfield looks like. We're going to be talking a lot about expanding, growing, building. Uh, That's going to encompass all generations, all generations. And so it's going to take everybody coming together to do it. But you understand that before we build, we've got to have a foundation. And this right here has got to be it. We've got to build it on God's word. We've got to build it on God's word. We're going to break down all the other core values. And that vision gathering. Hey, grab grab one of these on your way out if you didn't get it. If you're just new here and you just want to understand what's going on. Grab one of these on your way out. Read through it. Come sign up for those vision gatherings. So let me pray with you before we go today. Father, thank you so much again for the privilege of being in the house. Thank you, God, for watching over us, speaking into our hearts, helping us to hear from you. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.